Amen. Thanks. Good morning. How are we doing? There's about three people who are okay. How's everyone else? Yeah, yeah. That's not very convincing. Um, just uh, guys at the back, as you may have noticed, I put the clicker on the floor, which means please could you do the slides for me? Um, I'm being lazy and I have too many things on here. Um, so uh, it's great to be back with you. As you'll have heard, my name's Joe Herbert James. Many of you will know me from many years ago. Um, I feel like I don't need to introduce myself because I feel like I'm home when I come back here. But I know that I, that's probably, I probably do need to introduce myself. So um, I was here a long time ago. I left um, in 2005. It's a long time ago. Uh, and moved to London and worked at Tiffon for a long time. I now live in Cardiff uh, with my husband Pete, who's here at the back. Um, and we are both doing a combination of working and studying uh, up there at the moment. So you may remember that I was here just before Christmas um, in December in Advent, uh, which um, was finishing off the series of the, the, mission, the mission values and vision for the church, the 365 series. So you'll remember me saying maybe that that was part one, um, and today is part two. So, um, a little bit of a reminder. So, I think the statement will come up that we are looking at. So, this is the last part of the vision bit of the mission, uh, values, and vision. So, we looked at living generously, um, challenging cultures and systems that create injustice, and actively loving those affected. Um, oh, I forgot to say, <clears throat> I'm getting over a cough, by the way. So if I cough, don't be alarmed. It's not COVID. Um, I've been tested many times, PCR and everything. So I forgot to say that. Don't be alarmed if I cough. And apologies if I do in advance. Um, okay, so this last statement. So um, if we go to the next slide, in part one, we were looking mostly uh, this, yes, um, at challenging the cultures and systems that create injustice. So we were thinking quite a lot about that. Um, and next slide. Uh, today we're focusing more on the living generously and actively loving those affected. Now, uh, I kind of think that um, if if I was writing this statement, I would have written it as challenging the cultures and systems that create injustice by living generously and actively loving those affected. But no one asked me. Um, but that's how we're breaking it down, because that's how I think we challenge these systems that um, are unjust and these cultures that are unjust. So that is really what we're going to be looking at today. Next slide. Maybe. Maybe I should have used the clicker. Okay. So this was a key thing that we were looking at last time, that the same systems that create the poverty for the poor are simultaneously, they simultaneously create the wealth of the rich. So the same systems that create poverty for the poor simultaneously creates the wealth of the rich. Now, this is a challenge when we're thinking about this statement. Now, I, I think I said last time when I came, I, I've talked about issues of injustice for 
15 plus years. Um, it's what I've spent my time thinking about, working on. It was my job to think about this subject all of the time. It's what I've focused all of my theological studies on. It's what my PhD is focused on. Um, and so although I talk about this stuff all the time, it is still such a challenge and such a burden to talk about it. Because the reality is that the injustice that exists around the world is something that I benefit from. Something that me as a rich Western Christian benefits from. And this, so it's, as much as I talk about this a lot, I still find it deeply challenging. When I read the Bible, and I I love to read the Bible about this stuff, the Bible is full of challenges of injustice We talked about Leviticus 25 last time, incredible chapter of the Bible, where it talks about the concept of jubilee, an economic and political policy that challenges so much injustice that is ultimately good news for the poor, not good news for the rich. When you read Jubilee 25, if you're really rich, if you own slaves, if you're collecting debt, then game over for you. After 50 years, the land goes back to its original owners. Slaves are free. Debts are cleared. This is good news for the poor. Less good news for the rich. Or that's probably how it felt at the time. Which is why there's probably no evidence that Israel ever fully lived that out. It's really challenging, but it sounds a little bit more like what Jesus was talking about. When Jesus stands up in Luke chapter 4, at the beginning of his ministry and his manifesto, he stands up and says, I'm here to preach good news for the poor. Good news for the poor. What does this mean? Good news for the poor means less good news for the rich. And in global terms, less good news for me. I'm rich on global terms. And we talked about this before. I don't feel rich all the time. I don't feel rich when I'm trying to make ends meet at the end of the month, but I'm rich in global terms. I have access to so much. There are so many unjust systems around the world that keep me in a privileged place. There are unjust cultures around the world and in this country. If we hadn't thought that racism was an issue before, which I really hope wasn't the case, I can't see how any of us could ignore it over the last 18 months. It doesn't take much research to look and realize that in the UK, that far and above the people that populate the most deprived communities in this country, guess what? People of color. By far and above. A little cursory bit of research. It doesn't take a lot to know that. Sexism, gender pay gaps that exist in almost every industry in the UK. Whatever industry you are in, almost certainly, company you're in, almost certainly there will be gender pay gaps that exist. 
every, it touches every part of our lives. Domestic violence. <clears throat> if, it, if you haven't experienced it in your home or seen it in your home in some way, there's almost guaranteed that there is a home on your street that would have experienced it. One man per month is killed approximately by an intimate partner. Six to seven women per month are killed by an intimate or ex-partner, both those stats, sorry, either current or ex-partner. These systems and cultures of injustice exist all around us. Climate change, uh, that is the topic that I am often most known for <coughs> and talk about the most. Climate change is affecting the global poor, particularly constantly, day in, day out. It undermines their ability to live their life. Immigration, massive systems of injustice. Um, I might have mentioned previously the church that we go to in Cardiff. For the most part, the congregation are people who are either seeking asylum in the UK or of refugee status. Um, and the experiences they have of the immigration system in this country is beyond what I, I've got time to describe to you. The amount of dehumanization that exists within this system is beyond belief. And when you are so close to it, you see it more profoundly. Trade justice trade injustice that exists around the world where we argue over how much aid we give to other countries. As our government in the UK, it's a big political point. It has been increasingly since 2007, highly political, and yet how much we take from other countries in trade. We exist within these systems and somehow the privilege that we live within uh, makes us think that we deserve all that we have. That somehow I work really hard for what I have without recognizing that it is unjust systems that give us what we have. Uh, I think the next slide should be Deuteronomy. <clears throat> the Bible warns us about becoming um, too proud about this. You may say to yourself, this is Deuteronomy, you may say to yourself, my power and the strength of my hands have produced this wealth for me. But remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives you the ability to produce wealth. We live in a system that tells you that if you work hard enough, then you, everything that you own, that you have, is yours. You deserve it. You can spend it on yourself first. And yet the Bible warns us a long time ago that actually uh, that is not how it is. We think that we deserve, and yet it is by the grace of God that we have. Um, so next slide. Um, so if we are going to challenge these things, oh, the one after. Sorry, I've forgotten my order. Um, this is, as I said, I think that the answer to challenging these systems exists within the same sentence. Living generously and actively loving those affected. This is how I think we challenge it. So generously, living generously. I'm just reminding us, this is a statement that exists on YCC's website. This is what we as a church have said we are going to do. 
So, generously, Oxford Dictionary, in a way that shows a readiness to give more of something, especially money. Remember that. Then it's more than is necessary or expected. Enough or more than enough in size or amount. Plentiful. If we're going to challenge these cultures of injustice, these systems and cultures of injustice, living generously. This is what we've written for ourselves is our vision. If there is anything that you take away from today, <clears throat> I told you, I warned you in December, I'm not really the kind of bringer of good news really. If there is anything that you want to take from this is that if we want to live this sentence truly, it is going to cost us. There's no shortcut. There's no way around that. There's no amount of tokenism that is going to challenge the systems and cultures of injustice that exist in our world, in our country, in our community, in our own lives and in our own hearts. There is no shortcut other than it will cost us. We live within a system that looks like Pharaoh's. Pharaoh's economic system said there was never enough. He had this insatiable need for more. We talked about this before. The Israelites were forced into forced labor, making bricks constantly, not to just build up store houses, but he had, Pharaoh had to store cities of bricks because there was never enough. This unjust system says there is not enough for everyone, says there is not enough for the poor, says that we as a country, as the UK, need to keep as many of our resources as possible. We need to stop people coming in, people who are in need of sanctuary or in need of help and support. No, we need to keep them out because there's not enough. The system that Jesus comes and lives as an example that talks about is there's always, always enough. And you know the way to challenge the system that says we need more is to be radically, radically generous and give away in a way that will cost us. If there is anything you take away from this, I'm not going to be able to give you all of the answers today, hopefully some, or at least ideas to get you started. But this is going to cost us. If we are serious about living this statement, about living against an unjust system and living for a just system, um... And uh, the next slide, hopefully. It's going to be, yes, it's the right order. Um, so this verse, I think, is an absolute key for me in this. The generosity that is required in, fa in the face of a system that will tell you that there is never enough, that you never have enough. Um, I think this is the absolute key. But seek first 
his kingdom and his righteousness, and these things will be given to you as well. Um, Great uh, verse that is often quoted on its own. Um, That word righteousness, so in the Bible, the word justice and righteousness is often synonymous. So you could read that as, but seek first his kingdom and his justice, and all these things will be given to you. What things will be given to you? We go back in Matthew chapter 6, what you see uh, at that verse comes at the end of a passage. Do we know what passage that's talking about? Do not worry. Do not worry about the food you will eat, the clothes you will wear. That's what Jesus is talking about here. And he's saying, when you do not worry about those things, when you are not uh, so caught up with focusing on what do I need? What, what about taking care of myself? I can't possibly give away that because what if I need it? Jesus says, when you don't worry about those things and you seek first my kingdom, then all these things will be given to you. But if you look at just before that in this same chapter, what you find in verse 24 is that no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Absolute key warning in here. If we are going to challenge the cultures and systems of injustice, we cannot love money. You know the way to stop loving money? Not a trick question. Give it away. Give it away. It's going to cost us. It's painful. Radical generosity. But you know what? When we stop loving money... And we seek first God's kingdom, all these things will be given to us. If you jump back a little bit further in that chapter again, what you find is uh, sections talking about fasting, about prayer, and about giving to the needy. And I'd encourage you to go away and read this chapter. So Jesus, this is in the context of the Sermon on the Mount, and Jesus is talking about giving to the needy, not if you want to give to the needy, but when. There's not an if, there's not a question, there's not an optional when you have enough. He's talking about giving when you give. It is an assumed. This obviously is Jesus talking into a Jewish culture. They understood what it means to honor God was to give. To give, to pray, to fast, spiritual disciplines that will lead us to seek first God's kingdom and his righteousness. Um, I am fast running out of time. Um, If we are going to challenge these systems and cultures of injustice, we have to learn to live generously in a way that is going to cost us. Now, I can't tell you what that looks like in your life and in your context. And I'm not going to try to, but what I'm going to say is that it needs to cost you. This is going to be between you and God. This is going to be depending on the circumstances that you're in right now. 
Uh, and this is something that either individually or as a family you need to think about. Um, but you need to give. And uh, it's easier for me to say that these days when I don't work for a charity. But I did unashamedly used to say that when I worked for a charity because this is a part of our discipleship is to give. And it is a part of challenging an unjust system. Um, So the second uh, clue in our statement is about actively loving those who are affected by these unjust systems. Now, if we are going to actively love those affected, um, we need to know them. It's not rocket science, but we need to know who those people are. Um, Shane Claiborne, who is a phenomenal, I would call him a modern-day prophet, really. He's a guy who set up a community uh, in America called The Simple Way, living together in community, loving those who are most disaffected in their society and their communities. Wrote a very good book um, called The Irresistible Revolution, if you haven't read it. Um, and, And he talks about knowing those in his community in order to be able to love them. And he he talks that the poor don't just need charity, they need friends. Because when our friends don't have food to eat, what do we do? We feed them, right? I don't know how many friends you have in your life that if you knew they literally could not feed themselves... Would you not in some way seek to help? Your friends, I'm talking about your friends and your family. If you knew friends and family that didn't have roofs over their heads, would you not seek to support them, home them, maybe bring them into your own home? We need to know the people who are affected by this. I told you there are no quick fixes to this. There are no easy wins But if you don't know people in your life that are impacted by unjust systems and cultures of injustice, you need to get to know them. When you read about who Jesus spent time with, where you find him on the pages of the Bible is with those who are affected by cultures and systems of injustice. If you don't know any of these people, you need to go and get to know them. No quick fixes, no easy routes out, not just by giving to charity, although I am a massive believer in that, because not all of us will go to different parts of the world and very specialist contexts, but we need to get to know people. Um, I uh, am... I sort of reluctantly tell some of these stories um, because uh, I don't like to always tell the stories um, about our own life. But for Pete and I, last year when we joined this church, um, it was at that stage it was all online. Um, we didn't really know people, so our church is in uh, dual language church of English and Farsi because most of people there are uh, Iranian um, uh, often Christians, and they're seeking asylum in the UK. 
And we'd heard, we hadn't met anybody in person at that point, but we'd heard that one of the guys in the church had been made homeless. Um, because, again, the system works against you. It's not very easy. And once we heard this, and there was a few people that had tried to help, but actually there was nothing more they could do. He'd spent two nights on the streets that week. And Pete and I said to ourselves, we've got a spare room. We can help. And even the people uh, running the church at the time were slightly surprised. And they were like, well, are you sure? Are you going to be safe? And we were like, well, this guy's in our church, right? So why would we not help? And yes, there was COVID and yes, there were other things. But this was a guy uh, living on the streets. He spoke very little English. He'd converted to, we didn't know all of his story at that point. He converted to Christianity in Iran, which when you do that, you become illegal, essentially. And so he's fled and ended up in the UK. And so we spoke to him through a three-way call on Zoom, and someone translated for us. We went into the center of Cardiff and literally picked him up off the street. Um, He had a bag um, of clothes uh, that shoes that didn't fit him properly, no coat. Um, This was uh, autumn in the center of Cardiff, where it's raining, obviously. Um, And we were able to clothe, uh, we, we ended up buying him clothes, we were able to feed him, we were able to give him a home or a roof uh, until we could help him get back in the system, purely because we knew him. Purely because we knew him. Well, we didn't really know him because we'd never met him. But we knew of him because we had put ourselves amongst those who were in need, who experience the oppression of a system. And I don't tell that story to make us sound like heroes, but I'm talking about proximity. That when we put ourselves in proximity to those who are affected by systems of injustice, we are able to help. And so uh, our, our friend, he, he's become a great friend of ours. We're actually seeing him later today. Um, and many other people in our church uh, who experience the hard end of unjust systems were able to help because we're in proximity. So whether it is about immigration, whether it's about homelessness, whether it's about gender pay gaps, there are ways we can help. Um, gender pay gaps. You will almost certainly work in an industry where there is a gender pay gap. Ask your employer. That's all you need to do. There are little ways, little things. We start using our voice. We start getting informed. We start asking awkward questions. This is how we challenge. Climate justice. If you want to do something about climate change, three top things. Change your energy supplier to a renewable energy supplier. Change your food consumption. Think about the uh, air miles, that kind of thing. And think about the way that you travel. Um, These are simple ways. Sign yourself up to organizations that campaign on these subjects. Sign the stuff when they ask you to sign it. 
I promise you, it makes a difference. I spent 15 years working in an organization where we were knocking on the doors of number 10 and others constantly, but we needed the voice of the church to speak with us, which gave us the legitimacy to go and to speak. And we've seen masses of policies, changes that have affected millions of people's lives living in poverty. But the key is the voice of the church. Signing up to this stuff makes a difference. I know it doesn't feel like it. It doesn't make us feel like a hero. But these are the things that matter if we are going to challenge these systems. We've got to learn to live generously. And I am going to land here. So maybe band. I'm looking at the time. realizing I'm over time. Sorry. Um, We have got to understand more about these systems we have got to learn to give away and we've got to think about our proximity to those living in poverty those who are affected by systems of injustice because if we don't know them then we're not going to help or we're going to do things where we think we're helping and we're not really sure what is needed we've got to ask questions and not assume This stuff will cost us. If this is truly our vision, this stuff will cost us. And I can't go into all the different areas of injustice that exist in one talk. But as a small group, learning together and saying maybe over the next month, we're going to spend time. Two of us are going to go and do some research about climate change. Two of us will go and do research about local Uh, poverty. Two of us are going to go and do research about the immigration system in the UK. Whatever it is, we say together we are going to commit ourselves to learn and understand about these systems. And you can start um, today in terms of generosity. If you want to learn to be more generous, be more generous. It's not that hard. I mean, it is hard, but it's not. You don't need to do too much other than to be generous. Start by giving. Start by giving to a stranger. Start by signing up to give regularly. If you don't give to the church regularly, I'd really encourage you to do it because of all of the ministry that this church does. But there are other organizations and charities as well. Um there as I said, there's no there's no easy route. This is gonna cost us as a church and it's gonna cost us individually. Um and some of us are sat here thinking, ah, this just feels too much, it's too complicated, where do I start? I don't know if I can, I don't know if I have space in my life for this. And so as we go into worship, I want us to Um, be honest with God about where we are. Um, There may be this morning where you think, actually, no, I know I can commit to doing this. Whether it's about giving, whether it's about researching something, whether it's about supporting someone or a situation that you already know, then I want you to uh, make that commitment to God. Use this time to make that commitment to God. 
Um, some of us, this might just feel too far outside of what's going on in our lives. We want to be more generous. We don't know how. Maybe, actually, the reality for us is that we are so focused on what we need, um, feeling the need that exists within our own life, the lack that exists within our own life. And actually, that idea of seeking first God's kingdom feels great, but actually you're just trying to get by. Then this is a moment to ask God to bring those needs before him, honestly, and say, God, I don't want to be held captive to my needs. And actually, I want you to be the one who meets the needs in my own life so that I am able to be more generous. And ask God to free you in order to be able to give. Because you cannot give with an open hand when your hand is focused, clenched, grabbing for yourself. We might need some healing from that. We might need some inspiration today. We might still have a bunch of excuses in our minds about why this doesn't apply to us. Um, You might want to make some commitments to God today. But during this time, use it to do business with God. Talk to him about where you're at and what's on your heart. Because this is a statement that together as a church we've said is a part of our vision too late now (laughs) if we're going to commit to it then it's going to cost us there's no quick wins it's going to happen over time but we have got to become the kind of people who are able to give radically live generously constantly who understand the systems and the cultures of injustice that offer us privilege and oppress others. And also for some of us, it will be understanding the systems that oppress us. It's not a statement for a website. It is the kingdom of God. To seek first God's kingdom is to seek first his justice and righteousness. And so uh, this is our opportunity to commit ourselves to that, even if we're not ready or we're not sure. So I'm going to pray for us. God, I thank you that your kingdom is a kingdom of justice and righteousness. That your kingdom is one where all who all are valued, all are welcome, where there is always enough. Where we are all free. where we are all celebrated. And God, I pray that you would make us a people and a church who seek first your kingdom. 
above all of our needs, above all of the conveniences that we need in our lives, that we would be a people committed to your kingdom, committed to challenging the kingdom of this world that is unjust and committed to your kingdom of justice and righteousness no matter what the cost. Make our hearts radically free from the idolatry of money that exists in this culture that we live in and are immersed in. Set us free from it, we pray, God. And make us a people after your heart. In your name, Jesus. Amen.